Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about emotional eating and weight loss. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Renee Jones. Renee is a counselor, TED Talk speaker, and best-selling author. You can reach Renee at her website, packyourownbag.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Renee. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be able to talk to you. I checked out your website and I've read some of your things and you have such incredible little one-liners that I just (laughs) love and they just made me really think. And one of them is, when you're ready to lose, I can help you win. And I thought, oh, what a beautiful play on words. And it made me think about the words we use about winning and losing. Like, you know, if I lose a game, that's a bad thing. Or if I lose this, that, and the other, if I lost my keys, that's bad. And yet we talk about losing weight. And for a lot of us, losing weight is a losing battle. And so flipping that around and turning it into a win is fantastic. So can you share your story of turning this losing battle into a win? Sure. (laughs) I spent 40 years on the diet yo-yo, and I'm not kidding. It is a long time, yes. I uh, I did my first diet when I was 10, and my mother was like, mm, you could be a bit young. And I said, well, but I was a redhead, and I was chunky, and being redheaded in the late 60s, early 70s was, you know, not the wonderful thing that it is now. And I said, you know, I'm so different to all my little blonde and brunette friends. Mm. I don't want to be completely different. She's like, okay. So, I mean, we took it gently, but it started the pattern. And unfortunately, she wasn't any better at it than I was. So anytime something happened, you know, we'd go away or friends would come over or whatever. Then we'd just eat. And it's like, oh, we'll get back to it on Monday. (laughs) and whether we did or not is kind of immaterial but it just started the pattern of a perpetual diet until I woke up on New Year's Day of 2012 and I thought I am staring down my 50th birthday if I don't sort this out now I don't have a chance so I started a diet that day and I started again about mid-January and again about mid-February and the 1st of March. And in April, I actually had to buy a bigger size. I, I went to my closet that morning and I thought, okay, let's try the fat clothes. And even they were too small. So I put a safety pin in my waistband so I could actually go to work that day. And I thought, something's got to change. This is not going in the right direction. And this is not getting me toward my goal. And I came home that night and did some research. And I came across a term I hadn't heard before that I knew of, and that was emotional eating. And I thought, oh, that's me. And I started exploring that. actually hired a coach because I knew better than try to do it without some accountability. I'd tried that many times before. And I reached my goal weight the week before my 50th birthday. Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. So if that was that same year, then it didn't take a long time for you to reach that, did it? Well, it didn't. But I was back down to my last 20 pounds yet again. Because I had lost, you know, 
40 pounds, 30 pounds, 20 pounds, five, 10, all of that many times. In fact, I said, you know, I probably actually lost a ton, just a little bit up and down over 40 years. And, you know, I, I was, I was what I call seventies fat, which is very different to what's happened in the last uh, decade or so where we just said, you know, whatever. And people started eating and there's, fast food on every corner and um, just so many opportunities to overeat that we have actually increased our general size in many, many people. So I fortunately was kind of stuck in the mindset of you go 40 pounds over, you are too heavy rather than letting it go to 50 or more than that. Wow. Okay. So what made the difference for you? I think for me, and this, I think this is the beauty of coaching is that it is so much more about accountability. But in addition to that, you know, my coach and I didn't talk that much about food. We talked about what was, you know, kind of driving me to food. We talked about the emotional baggage that I'd been dragging with me for decades. And as we began to unwind some of those things, then they weren't as bothersome as they had been. In fact, I wish I knew what she said to me the day we talked about peanut butter. I really do, because I'd like to use that. But I don't know. I just know that I walked into that meeting thinking, you know, I'd never be able to stop eating peanut butter. And I walked out and didn't buy it again for two years. Wow, that's amazing. Now, part of that was, if you buy it, you will probably eat it. That's true. But I was able to get through that time until I felt safe to buy it again. But it's just a ma- an amazing thing that, that we can do to help people disconnect from certain foods. I heard someone say, you know, we slake our thirst for joy and peace and contentment with a Twinkie. Isn't that the truth? Or for me with peanut butter. So it's, it's not a, it's not a wonderful thing for us, but if we can figure out how to get back to ways that truly comfort us or truly bring us joy, then it, it frees us. I love that. The whole idea that this is not really about food And it is not about making food the enemy. On the contrary, it is improving our relationship with food. There's nothing wrong with peanut butter. I mean, but if your particular relationship with peanut butter is very unhealthy, then it's wise to step away from that for a while until you're able to have a a relationship with that particular food that is healthy. And I loved one of the other things that you talked about is that you heal people's hearts and that you're currently doing it through the topic of emotional eating. And then there was another thing that you mentioned, when you face your stuff, you don't have to stuff your face. And so it's really about something underlying. We're talking about emotional eating, but it's really about healing our hearts. And then there was another line you said that you have clients in six continents with this little side note that it's a little hard to break into Antarctica. (laughs) And that made me laugh because this concept of this relationship that we have with food 
and also learning how to heal our hearts is so universal for everyone on the planet, except perhaps the penguins. And uh-huh. so let's talk about how, how to learn to love ourselves so that we can have a positive relationship with food. Yeah, I mean, if we are constantly trying to, here's another line for you, oh. stuff, stuff down our feelings and follow it with a food chaser, we will never reach our goal. You know, no diet or exercise routine or magic pill, potion, or powder can counter the effects when we've stuffed those feelings down and followed it with that food chaser. We, we, we cannot heal our hearts that way. That just puts it on the side for a bit. That just keeps it over there so we don't have to deal with it. And you can do that. Clearly, we can do that, but it's not helpful. It doesn't bring us the kind of comfort that lasts. Mm. It doesn't It doesn't free us from the need for that food. Okay, I love that. Something joy that lasts. Because one of the things about emotional eating, we already mentioned, it's not really about the food. It's about something that is deeper. And there's a comment about that the problem is the solution. And so for many people, what they see as the problem is this eating, but they're using the eating as the solution for what's really bothering them. And so how can you get rid of this problem when you see it at a deep down level as the solution, that thing that's going to make us feel better? And so we have to address that deeper thing because our subconscious is going to sabotage us every time if it's thinking, what are you doing? You're, you're eliminating my comfort. You're eliminating the yeah. thing that helps me to feel like it's going to be okay. So how do we find a better way? Well, part of it is, you know, some foods we're connected to because of really emotional experiences. Those, those may not be bad experiences. They're just emotional. I mean, think about holiday foods. It's like, oh, I want to feel like it was Christmas when I was a child, right? So we get really connected to certain foods. And if you don't have those, and when you when you marry somebody who didn't have the same foods as you do, oh my goodness, you can have all kinds of issues then, right? Find a compromise. It's, it's something you can work work through. But if it's a food that you were given when you'd had a bad experience, and this is this is the way to find, okay, what is it about that food? Is you think about, okay, just get it in your mind. Get that food in your mind. So much so that you can kind of see it. You may be able to smell it or almost taste it. And then think about when you first had that food. The first time you can remember. Who gave it to you? What was going on and what did it do for you in that moment? And what if you can't remember? Do you associate then with something, the times that you do remember? Yeah. I mean, the first time you remember. Uh Okay, that's helpful. All right. So the first time that I remember. And it sometimes, I mean, I've had people go, oh my word, I had no idea. Now for me, this is, this is the peanut butter thing for me. 
because my grandmother and I were tight. And when she passed away, I was lost for a couple of days. I mean, I just was beside myself. And what I worked out was we, we had this connection over peanut butter as well. We both loved it. We both loved chocolate. We loved peanut butter, all that kind of thing. And what I realized was peanut butter had become a tangible connection to the love and the encouragement that she gave me. Oh, tender. Tender. Yeah. Who wants to let go of peanut butter? That's letting go of grandma. Except that she's not in that jar. (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) We didn't even like the same brand of peanut butter. I liked the natural. She liked a different brand. But when I realized this is what I'm looking for, I'm looking for that love and that encouragement, that safe, warm feeling. Now, how do I get that elsewhere? Because she's not around anymore, unfortunately. So how do I get that kind? So that's my task is, okay, if I'm circling the refrigerator, going to the peanut butter, okay, I need love and encouragement. How can I get that? Oh, I love that. So now recognizing not just the trigger, but that it is a trigger and what it is that is that underlying need. I need to feel loved. I need to feel accepted. And so can you give some suggestions of where is a helpful place to go for those? If I'm not going to turn to the peanut butter and grandma is not an option, then where else can I go? Well, here's the thing. It's very personal for you. So it, you know, the standard answers are do things like get a manicure, go for a walk, play with a dog, talk to a friend, you know, that sort of thing. And that may be exactly it. And just saying those things gets the juices flowing. So it's like, okay, so what do I like? Sometimes when you just ask, what do you do? My mind goes blank. I can't think of a single thing. And then once you start naming some suggestions, that's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like to do this. I like to do this. Exactly. There you go. Perfect. So you find something else that takes care of it. Well, I am so glad that you were able to figure that out. That's beautiful. So in your coaching practice, is this the kind of thing that you're doing is, hey, let's recognize what these trigger foods are. Do most people who are struggling with this, have you found in your in your practice, have a few foods that are specific things for them in addition to just finding any what we call comfort foods, something with that high sugar and high fat that just kind of helps us feel full and satiated and stuff? It's It's a mixture. I mean, some people don't realize that they know. They just, because they, they're not aware of it yet. So I have to delve a little bit to say, so when this happened, where did you go? What did you go to? And then what were you looking for? What did you really want in that moment? And they can usually get there. It may, sometimes it's just hard to articulate because we're not as aware of things as because it's also subconscious, right? We just go for what we need. And that's where the, the coaching comes in is I just help them walk through that and hold them to it. They'll say, I don't know. Yes, you do. You just don't know that you know yet. But we'll get there. I love that. Isn't it beautiful that our subconscious is so clever to just automatically come up with a solution, something that helps us feel better. And yet it's on this lower plane. 
where it does work. If it didn't work, we wouldn't do it, right? Right. But there's a way that is so much healthier and helps us to be able to meet our needs on such a higher plane. And I love this concept of, first of all, let's be aware that this is deeper than, it's not about food. It it really isn't. And then to become more self-aware because it is an individual thing, not a one size fits all, but a what does Renee need? What does Linda need? What am I looking for? And how do I meet those needs? And if the my method of meeting those needs is not deeply benefiting me, then let's find some a new solution. Love it. Yeah, because we'll go to a donut just to have something. But that may not be the thing that you actually need. It's just available. Uh, very few people actually need a donut. So probably if that's where we're going, we need to, you know, dig a little deeper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but what if when they were a child and their parents took them out to tell them they were getting a divorce at the donut shop and the donut was the soother? Sometimes you do need that donut. Right. That's that's how intricate it can be. You know, um, with children's sports teams, the younger ones, very often, if you win, you go out for pizza. Mm-hmm. If you lose, you go for ice cream. I'd rather lose. I, well, actually, I, no, I, <laughs> I love ice cream. I love pizza. I love them both. But, you know, if those are the choices. <laughs> it, it depends on how it affected you at the time. That is very true. And I'm thinking in my mind of people that I know, my friends and their experiences with food and how it matches your story and what things um, were triggers for them and what were their experiences. And so I can see how this is a, it fits, it fits, even though their foods and their situations were different, that underlying need of what this means is very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, now, you know, particularly, um, Early on in any new year, there are all the diet things that are out there. The new plan, potions and powders and things. And it seems that it's become, we talk a lot about it as toxic. Toxic diet. Yeah? And I think it's not really the diet that's toxic. It's our mindset toward it. I mean, diet is a tool, right? It's like a screwdriver. We don't blame the screwdriver If two boards come apart, (laughs) maybe you just didn't get the the screw in there right or didn't hit the right space. But we blame the tool for what we don't do or want to do or how we talk about it. Like you were saying earlier, we talk about losing. And the, the new thing in the industry is now to talk about shedding weight. Oh, that that because word you, will make all the difference? Well, the thing is, as you were noting, you talk about losing, you, it's something you want to find again, and they didn't want to find the weight again. But I think, you know, the common term is we lose it. We don't want to find it again, but we do lose it. Right. So there, there are all these conversations that go on around us that may or may not be as helpful as just focusing on what you need and what works for you. Exactly. 
And again, the use of the word is a little bit like our conversation about peanut butter. There's nothing wrong with peanut butter. It's your nothing relationship with peanut, with peanut butter. There's nothing wrong with a, a particular word. It's your relationship with that word. Yes. And sometimes yes. the very term diet all of a sudden sends people into a feeling of restriction and misery and deprivation and all of these kinds of things. And it's like self-sabotaging from the very beginning. So as we can learn to, it's not about food. It's not about food. Don't worry about the food. Let's, let's make sure that we're taking care of you and meeting your needs in a healthy way. Yeah. I just started a series on making weight loss painless. We'll see how it goes. I, it started, it was going to be one blog, but it's become a series now. So it doesn't have to be painful. And it all comes down to your choices, how you think about it, what you tell yourself. Because the more we tell ourselves, oh, I'm going to be deprived of the foods that I want. Yeah. Because, you know, I actually lost my weight on a low-fat, low-calorie diet. Because that's what I knew at the time. And it worked. However. I was tired, hungry, and cranky all the time. <laughs> and that was not working well for me. And two years later, I was still trying to maintain my weight. And I was still tired. I was still hungry. I was still cranky. So I got on the internet again to do some research because I thought there has got to be a better way for this. And I found this assessment. And I thought, okay, we'll see what this is. And it came back with a color-coded food chart a meal plan, and a description of my metabolic type. And I, when I read it, I thought, oh, this is why my Captain Crunch never lasted more than 30 minutes because I go through carbohydrates lickety-split, right? So it gave me this, this plan, and I thought, I don't know. I mean, this is like cheese sauce on my vegetables. I, <laughs> I don't know about that. But I thought, I'll, I'll try it. We'll see. A week. Now, I was 52 by this point. I was at my goal weight. I, I'm only five foot three. I'm a little woman. So I was at my goal weight of 119 pounds. And that week, I lost two pounds, which I'd never lost two pounds ever. And I thought, oh, I got to look at this. Linda, it transformed my life because I found something that kept me satisfied. So I wasn't hungry. Um, it kept me energized, so I wasn't tired. <laughs> God bless my poor sweet husband. I wasn't cranky anymore. <laughs> I thought, this is something I've got to, to do some research on. So I changed how I ate. And, okay, there's some foods that I choose to stay away from because they tend to make me cranky. It's okay. It's worth not having them because I feel so much better. I mean, it's almost like an allergy. A, a, a psychological allergy. And when we have allergies, we change things. We don't eat those foods because of what they do to us. So deprivation can show you some things about yourself that you may truly need to know that will help you in the, in the future. Deprivation meaning avoiding some foods, like how some people avoid gluten and some people avoid sugar and some people avoid dairy. Is that we're talking about deprivation? Not like trying that, to that make our lives miserable. That mental idea of, of deprivation. Oh. Okay. Right? So yes, I'm I'm not deprived because I no longer eat certain foods. I feel better because I no longer eat certain foods. So it's still for some people that would be deprivation, but for me it's freedom. 
And that makes a big difference. So it's not deprivation. It is freedom because you have recognized that the gains are are more important than than the loss. I read a study once about one word, the simple changing between I can't and I don't. So they took a group of people who were trying to, to, to diet. And they said, okay, for this group, if, if, you know, someone offers you something, then you say, I can't, you know, I can't have that. And for this group, we just say, I, I don't, I don't eat that. And then they had a third group. They said, you just don't say anything at all. And then they checked to see how everybody was doing. And the ones that said, I can't, they like failed on day one because they've already felt deprived and they felt frustrated and they felt, you know, Ugh. so it was psychologically, they sabotaged themselves and they actually gained just a little bit of weight. And then the group that said, I don't, they actually did fine. They were able to stay on their, their meal plan for the duration of the study. And it was just the idea of, I don't implies a choice. Like mm-hmm. I have weighed and measured and I am choosing not to eat this particular food. And I can't means somebody else on the outside is making me do something that I don't want to do. And so I'm going to show them as soon as, you know, their hyper, their back is turned, even if there isn't a real person, I'm going to go grab that donut or whatever the thing was to show that I am in charge of me. And it was just a mental shift. And we talked about words and what they mean to us. That really is a word, but it wasn't the word. It was what it meant. Meant. Yeah. Yeah. How it affects you. Uh-huh. And it don't is empowering. Yeah. Can't is not. Exactly. And we want to yeah. be empowered. We want, I don't know, I feel like life is intended to be lived joyfully. Mm. And being healthy is part of a joyful life. And having good physical health, I mean, that's that's part of our, our, our health, our well-being. And yet, if it's done in such a way that it makes us tired and cranky, and then that's not... It, it's not joyful. No, it's not <laughs> joyful. And I want to live joyfully. So, yeah. Yeah. Because most, I would suggest, in fact, I did a, a poll um, and I said, so you want to lose weight because, and I got lots of different answers, but overwhelmingly, often, the main answer was either health or confidence, and often both together, because you feel healthy, you feel confident, you're probably on your way to feeling joyful. I like that. So those are some pretty good reasons. Yeah. So now you've been working on how to make this uh, painless, as you said. Can you give us some nuts and bolts to help make this painless? Because there are people who are listening who are going to be, oh, I am totally on board. And there are other people who are going to be listening thinking, I hate diets. Even talking about this is giving me anxiety. I, it's been such a losing battle. Ah! So can you help us so that it's, it's, it's painless, that it's going to be okay, that people feel like it's going to be okay. You got this. If, if you're getting the anxiety and already thinking it's going to be deprivation, take a breath, stop, maybe begin looking at ways that you can make this work in your life rather than becoming your life. Because life's too big to be anxious about a diet. Let's find better ways for you because there are better ways. And you don't recognize maybe you're not ready. I have had a number of clients, well, 
small number of clients who have got part the way through my program and said, you know what? I don't think I really want this. I said, now you know. You don't want this. And that's okay. You get to choose. If that's empowering. Being, if being thin is not the most important thing on in your life, I'm not trying to get you to a size four. I'm just trying to get you to healthy. So what health measures do you want to to reach? Is it that you've unpacked all this baggage that you've been carrying? Is it that you now know that you don't care if you stay in a 10 or 12 or 14 forever? Know what you want. And that's the important thing. A lot of it is just mindset, how we look at it. That, oh, another diet. That's not going to be helpful. No, from day one, that that very comment, that very thought, you've already sabotaged it. It is going to be miserable. You don't want it yet. No. And you may never want it, but just be honest with yourself. It's okay. My mother lived a long life and she died heavy, but it was okay. Didn't change how we loved her. Oh, isn't that reassuring? Yeah. That we don't have to be a certain size in order to have value and to Mm -hmm. be lovable. And I think a lot of times, if we can just accept that part and allow the other, that, that stress and that anxiety to just roll off our shoulders, then some natural changes take place for our health and for our well-being. And I think that's fantastic. Well, my, my program, there is a, there is a weight loss component to it, but it's all about finding, I give them the same assessment that I took. So they'll know what works for their body because that's the most important thing. Clearly low fat, low, low calorie didn't work for my body. Yes and no. You lost the weight, but who wants to maintain that? Exactly. It didn't work overall. So we find what works for your body. Then we deal with the emotional stuff. We face it so that you can be free of it. And the last section is on being your best. Because I don't know about you, Linda, but when I'm working from my best self, I always make better choices on everything. You know, let's let's lighten the load, not just on your body, but on your heart, on your mind. Let's deal, walk through some of that rubbish that you've been carrying. My, I call my business Pack Your Own Bag because I, when we get home from a trip, we've got our bags, right? We've got to unpack them, including all the flotsam and jetsam that's in the bottom of it, right? All the gimme pens and pages and stuff. But unless we unpack what is there, we can never pack for the journey you want to be on rather than the one you stumbled into. So if we can get some of that stuff out, it lightens you and you get to collect the things you do need. I love it. That is so beautiful. Thank you. I love the way that this whole conversation feels. It is about being self-aware. It is about healing our hearts. It's about accepting ourselves. It is about finding joy. It is about um, finding some answers. I love that your approach includes the physical aspect as well as emotional and mental. It's because obviously weight is a physical thing and that's a huge component. So putting all of this together, it just feels right. (laughs) Thank you. 
I love it. I hope so. (laughs) And thank you for visiting with me today and sharing your wisdom. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Karen Samuelson. She said, Addictions occur when you seek to fill an emptiness inside you with something outside of you. Today, I invite you to believe that you are good enough right now as you are, and I encourage you to fill the emptiness inside of you from the inside out by healing your heart. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.